0: Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Join host Karen Doyle-Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading researchers, authors, and clinicians discussing issues in attachment theory. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. Today, Karen welcomes therapist Selma Bachevitz to the show to discuss attachment and war trauma in children. Part two will be released on May 10th.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle Buchwalter, and I am joining you here today for another episode. I want to tell you about our guest today, who is Selma Bachevitz. Selma is a psychotherapist, consultant, educator, and mother. She is going to be speaking with us about the impact of war and trauma and refugee status on attachment and parenting. Selma comes to this discussion, not only with her personal experience as a refugee, but also a wealth of professional experience. For over 10 years, Selma has helped thousands of parents heal from trauma and parent through connection. She has also launched Balkan Mama Therapy, And through that service, her goal is to help heal intergenerational wounds and help parents learn to find healing. She has specialized training in attachment trauma, parent-child relationships, a certification in infant mental health, just to name a few of her qualifications. In addition to that, she has recently launched a children's book that she will be talking about during the interview. So stay tuned. We will be coming right up with Selma's interview.
0: Supporting children and families who have experienced great loss and endured extreme trauma is a daunting task. At Chattuck, we have the experience and longevity to understand the type of support needed to keep the best and brightest engaged with this work. This July, the Knowledge Center at Chaddock launches the Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute for helpers who seek to be rejuvenated and revitalized in their work with children and families. This type of renewal and confidence is a natural byproduct of gaining specialized knowledge, advanced skills, consultation, guidance, mentorship, and most importantly, being in a community providing the experience of being seen and understood. We've designed an experience in a soft place to land where all of these needs will be met in one central place. For more information on the development, Developmental Trauma and Attachment Institute, or to sign up, visit tkcchatik.org.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. I am your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you here from Chaddock, and the guest that I have here with me today is Selma Botchevitz, and I am so excited that she was willing to join us. Um, When you get to hear some of both her story as well as her professional practice, uh, you're going to see it's such a timely time in the world for her to be joining us. So, Selma, thank you so much for being here.
2: Karen, thank you so much for having me. I'm very
1: excited about this conversation. Yes. So just to share with listeners, I met, met is in the air quotes here, Selma, through the Attachment Based Therapist Facebook group. And I feel so fortunate that our paths have crossed Um, because Selma, you're doing such important and unique work in the world. Could you just tell listeners a little bit about your work and your practice and sort of what brought you to this? Sure. So I
2: am a licensed mental health counselor here in the state of Florida, and I originally trained to work with um, trauma survivors right out of school. And I remember one of my wonderful mentors and supervisors at the time (laughs) signed me up for an infant mental health um, course that I was going to take. And I remember looking at her and saying, What do you mean, babies on couches? You want me to talk to <laughs> like, how do you do this with babies? <laughs> I was just fresh out of school, so it was my first job out of school. And she just smiled and said, No, I think this is going to be a wonderful fit for you. And I remember being very hesitant, but then agreeing to go to this training which was a 18 month training it took a lot of my time and a lot of effort to uh, go through it eventually I also got uh, trained in child parent psychotherapy through this training and it was through the Harris Institute at the Florida State University so awesome. I remember the first moment I stepped into into this class it was differently set up the 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 conversation and the information provided there it was the first time I learned about attachment and what attachment was and my mind was blown I just remember (laughs) leaving after the first day saying could is this what it feels like to find what you really love to do is this Mm -hmm. what it feels like so since then I've expanded a lot of my practice um, Bringing awareness to the infant and toddler mental health population, I spent a lot of my time working for early childhood courts here in Florida as a therapist. And then after I had my babies, I ended up uh, focusing my work primarily on women like me refugee immigrants or resettled immigrant women who live in the United States or in um, other parts of the world who are raising their babies with a lot of trauma in our background, Mm -hmm. trauma that was uh, developed through either war, resettlement, or interpersonal traumas because of the way we received parenting. And um, I created a space where a community for women just like me who can come together and really um, embrace the beautiful parts of the world that we come from our beautiful culture work and heal through the trauma that we survived and, and inherited in many cases um, and focus a lot on the attachment and bond between the mom the, the, the father and the mom and the child so that's sort of where i'm at
1: Yes. And could you share with listeners a bit of your personal story that brings you here? Of course, you alluded to it when you were first speaking, but I know that you have other pieces to share.
2: Yes, um, I was originally originally born. I was born in Bosnia and Herzegovina, which is a small east uh, Eastern European country. It's actually part of the Balkan Peninsula. and um, it, suffered a great deal after it became independent from the former Yugoslavia, which was a communist country. And in 1992, uh, the majority of the people voted for independence. Unfortunately, Yugoslavia did not like that, so they attacked. And um, I spent the, the about three and a half years of my life, I was going to actually think of the the age I was, six and a half to uh, almost nine and a half, living inside Sarajevo, which was under siege and uh, living with no water, no food, no electricity um, and constant shelling and sniper uh, attacks and and surviving and still remembering a wonderful childhood even in all of this. Mm. Eventually escaping with my mom and my brother through the tunnel of hope, which is the only lifeline Sarajevo had at the time. It was a small secret tunnel dug underneath the Sarajevo airport. And uh, we eventually made ourselves refugees in Germany. And then my father joined us after the war ended and we then became resettled refugees in 1997 to the United States of America.
1: Yes. Yes. And so what age were you when you and your family came to the United States? I was 12,
2: the wonderful critical brain period of (laughs) 12. So it was, when I say culture shock, it was a big culture shock probably to to my system, but I can't imagine what my parents had to go through having to raise a 12-year-old inside this New, strange environment, and a twelve-year-old who is reaching this brain development stage, right? Of of trying to figure out who they are in the in the world. So, I um, it was a very interesting and learning experience for sure.
1: Yes, and as you're speaking, Selma, I'm I'm here trying to imagine, and and obviously, this is not the first time you would have experienced seeing a situation similar unfold on the news. But Mm -hmm. as our listeners are obviously aware of um, what's going on now in the Ukraine, I can just imagine that must have such a strong impact on someone who has survived something similar. Absolutely.
2: I remember the first images coming out of Ukraine, and, and I, I have to backtrack just, just a little bit. Every single war, anyone who has ever been through a war, especially as a child, any war images that you are shown on the TV. So this includes Syria as well. This includes refugees from other parts of the world. um, They bring you back to this really triggered stage a really emotionally triggered space, right? Ukraine, however, for me personally was very different uh, because the images coming out of Ukraine showed people in a very simple way as they would have shown me and people from Bosnia, uh, we look alike, our, our buildings. I remember looking at the images of, of the shelling and I, I, I had flashbacks of, of images from Sarajevo my hometown looking very similar to this um, so when Ukraine's war began it was a really scary experience not just for myself but for a very large part of um, the Bosnian creation and, and former Yugoslavian community yes
1: yes well, and we should share with listeners and of course, we'll share more about this at the end, but you have even moved your practice um, even more, uh, I don't want to say narrow, but more specialized um, to, and, and your your practice is called Balkan Mama Therapy. Yes. And so tell us, you know, a little bit about that decision to really specialize in that area?
2: Yes, so I had been Tossing that idea for a very long time inside my mind, especially after I became aware of a uh, circle of security parenting. I got trained in this form in the, in the format. And I remember going to my mom and saying, Mom, I know I'm 30, but you have to sit down and you have to take this class with me. I want to show this to you. Oh. And we sat down through it together. And I remember her words saying, Why didn't I know this? Like, why wasn't this applied to us? When we were young moms, why wasn't this available to us? This yes. is Mom, this is just becoming available now. So <laughs> we have to be mindful of, of what was available back then and, and what is shown to parents in today's age. But I remember her saying, Salma... Every single Bosnian mom needs to have this in front of her because I can tell you that we are taught to do things differently. We're not looking at things from an attachment base. We're not looking at the relationship. We're looking at behavior. And um, this was a long while ago. I I would say in 2012. So I've been tossing this idea around in my head, but I was working in the early childhood courts at the time, and not until I became a mom myself did this start making a lot more sense for me. I was looking for a community of women like me who were from the Balkans, who were refugees or immigrants to the diaspora the United States, anywhere really in the world, and I was Googling and searching, I couldn't find anything. There were many groups for women living in Bosnia. But when I would try to relate to some of the experiences outside of like attachment um, questions, yes. it was really hard for me to, it was really hard for me to relate to this. So I decided, okay, I am one day going to create this and do this for sure. Well, 2020 happened and the whole world stopped. My world really changed quite a lot because I welcomed 2020 with the birth of my daughter, um, but I also left 2020 with the death of my father who passed away due to COVID complications. And he was a big proponent of my work. He was always very proud of um, the the changes I was bringing into my life, our lives and our community. So uh, when he passed away, this just gave me a push toward wanting to go ahead and do this. And I did. uh, All I did really was change my Instagram handle to Balkan Therapy, and I just let it be. And by letting it be, I mean, it took off very quickly, very soon with um, women connecting with me, speaking with me, telling me how much of a service this was, um, a much needed service to them, but that it was a population, refugee population, the immigrant population, we often neglect and forget about. There is a difference between speaking about attachment and like gentle parenting and conscious parenting to someone who may be native or was born to to the host country refugees attend or come to. And there is a difference between speaking to someone who survived a lot of very scary moments in their lives about connection-based parenting. And um, I'm, ho- I'm hopeful that in our conversation today, we can touch base on refugee grief. Yes. Because often we assume that uh, <clears throat> refugees have a big Trauma that they have to overcome and heal from. What we don't talk about is this disenfranchised grief many many refugees struggle with, which really can't you know um, be be healed through trauma work. We there there needs to be a space to to be given to process the grief before trauma work can begin. Because a lot of this grief keeps us in the loop of repeating a lot of the traumas and reliving them quite frequently. And then, of course, you have triggers like the wars in Ukraine, which bring up a lot of fear in many people's experience and lives. So I niched, I guess I could say niched, based on... (laughs) based on my own experience and getting additional training and um, really focusing on the needs of refugee and immigrant women from the Balkans or um, Eastern cultures.
1: Yes. And just um, I know sometimes as Americans, we can be a little self-absorbed if you could explain what are the balkans and what are some countries that comprise the peninsula yeah so the balkans are in this southeastern part
2: of europe uh literally right across italy the country that's shaped like a boot, were part of the Adriatic Sea. The former Yugoslavia had several countries inside of it, so Bosnia-Herzegovina, Croatia, Slovenia, Kosovo, um, Macedonia. We also have Bulgaria. We also have Romania. Parts of Greece and parts of Turkey are all... um, I've probably missed a few. And if I have, I apologize. (laughs) um, It's a pretty large uh, part of Southeast Europe. And in Europe, you will know that there's a quite big division between West Europe and Eastern Europe. So West Europe are the, um, I guess, the, 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 the colonizers of the world with England and Germany and the Netherlands, et cetera. Unfortunately for Eastern Europe, we're often grouped with Europe as these um, oppressors in, in most situations. But with East Europe, we've unfortunately been under um, some form of occupation or colonization of, or imperialism for centuries. Uh, I mean, we had Ottoman Turks there for 600 years and we had Austro-Hungarian, um, empire for several years. Then we had communism, then we had Russian and Western influences. So Yugoslavia, when it broke apart, it it broke apart in a very violent, violent way.
1: Yes. And I'm so glad that you shared that piece, because I think what people experience as a culture does impact attachment, does impact, you know, Bullby we'll talking about a safe haven and a secure base. Well, if no place around you feels safe, you know, that's a different challenge for a parent to provide that.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> when I often speak about, Safe haven and uh, safe haven and secure basis due to the circle of security yes. information they share with my moms um, and dads. We often talk about how, through generations, we can pinpoint anyone who provided a secure or safe, ha- secure base or safe haven I- inside of our families. A lot of time, fear-based parenting was used in order to protect children. And through generations, this protection sort of, once no longer the same uh, external threat was present, that fear-based parenting no longer made sense. And it really showed to be hurting a lot of children. There's a study done in 2018 by a large uh, UN-funded study To ask children in the Balkans how they see, if they see violence in their homes, I mean, I want to say 13 countries were represented and they had a pretty large sample, about 400 students uh, from each country. So it's a pretty large sample for the the area and the study. And over 97% stated that they saw violence in the home or in their neighborhoods and that they felt... um, unsafe in the parent-child relationship because of a lot of that violence being committed through hitting, spanking, yelling, threatening. But when they were asked, do you think that your parents provide you with positive um, discipline or connection-based parenting or conscious parenting, over 99% of these children responded with yes. So um, what they concluded with that was that Many people in the region are really confused about what it means to parent through connection and provide a safe base and secure uh, secure base and a safe haven to children in the parent-child relationship. We've confused fear-based parenting with a right form of parenting. <laughs>
1: This is really something that we're going to have to talk more about um, <laughs> I, in, in, the, uh, in this interview as we move along, but I do want to point out first that one of the things that really stands out to me in, in everything that you've said so far, we are talking a lot in the field of clinical social work and therapy and things like this in the United States about cultural Humility and an, an awareness of that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like what I'm hearing you say is, let's just take Circle of Security, for example. If you are using that program with a family that resettled here as refugees or came out of a war-torn zone, you can there there are differences. You can't just Access. go about this the same way that you would with somebody else who did not have that history. Is that correct? I, I, I'm I'm hearing you say that. And that's so important because as wonderful as circle of security is, you know, and how they try to break things down in a very understandable way, I think many of us who don't have that experience could think, oh, yeah, we'll just do the videos. We'll do this session one, et cetera, and Mm -hmm. would miss the nuanced parts of this about the caregiver's experience.
2: Absolutely. And and when I bring Circle of Security into this space, I have several meetings and sessions with the parents prior to introducing the videos and the, the, the process of Circle of Security. If I can say that many of the programs, many of the methods designed to help people from non-Western cultures have been really focused on what it means to be a Western white American, white German, white um, French, whatever, uh, family, and it negates It neglects the collectivism many cultures come from. My culture is very collectivist in nature. So when we speak about the parent-child relationship, we're not just speaking about one parent set, right? We're not talking about moms and dads. We're all, the conversation must also include grandparents on both sides, aunts, uncles, Um, older cousins, neighbors, all of this falls into who helped you grow up. It's different now for my children here, because we're under the influence of a lot of the Western ways of parenting. But the way I grew up in my early years was very different from how my children are growing up here in the States. I had my aunts, I mean, my, I consider I consider my aunts my second moms. Um, I sometimes will approach one aunt as a child, knowing that she'll say yes to something versus another aunt, versus my mom, yes. versus an uncle, um, and have the adults sort of take care of, of that. Um, and as a child, you just felt so connected and free. Uh, we would I was four and five and three years old when I was out in the neighborhood playing and, and, and you know, being rambunctious with all the kids. My cousins were my friends. My extended neighbors were like family. So unfortunately, we miss a lot of that in, in the Western societies because of the lack of collectivism we have to have a very good understanding of this and the loss of this when we speak to refugees and we try to instill a um, connection-based parenting method with them, whether that be circle of security or some type of conscious approach, parent approach, or um, any form of attachment work really has to include an awareness of the caregiver environment and how they grew up because navigating who my secure base was growing up. Like, I think there's a question in circle of security that asks, you know, who was your circle? Who who were your hands on the circle? And I remember my response was, well, I have like 10 hands on that circle, you know? But then the sadness of me realizing that my children do not have 10 hands on this circle, that they have me. And my husband. Yes, it created a really deep grief, but also this immense pressure that we have to be perfect because we can't catch all the things that you know we might uh, miss or um, you know when you have 10 hands on the circle, yeah, you have 10 people taking care of this child, the fact that we're gonna miss a few needs, it's going to be okay, but doing it alone, this is, this is why this is hard. This is why parenting in the West is really, really hard because we're really forced to do it all by ourselves. And um, those of us who may have a little bit of support, may have a little bit of relief, but I, I think even in attachment work and attachment studies, What we're seeing through literature is that children do best when they have a set of parents and several caregivers. And in the work with parents who come from other parts of the world, it is so important to sit down and ask, who are your safe havens? Who are your secure bases? Because it most likely is not just their parents and we could be missing a really big, beautiful portion of healing um, and and bringing that healing into their lives.
1: Yes. Wow. So important what you are saying. Selma, I am Mm -hmm. so excited to continue this conversation I just feel like I could speak to you for days. (laughs) It's just incredible all that you have to share. Listeners, please join us next week for part two of our interview with Selma Bachevitz as she continues to talk with us about this topic of how attachment is impacted by war trauma, by refugee settlement, and one's cultural history. So please join us next week.
0: Thank you for joining us for this edition of Attachment Theory in Action. Please follow our site, tkcchatok.org, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts for future episodes. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please visit tkcchatok.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.